Uh, If you have your Bibles, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is where we're going to be. We're going to wrap up our series on unconventional wisdom. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, they'll be on the screens. If you are here and you actually do not have access to a Bible, uh, let us know before you leave today and we will put one in your hands. We'd love to do that. Um, So, anyways, before we get to Ecclesiastes 3, I I want you to know... um, we had, a big, we had a big day this week. I mean, all of us, collectively. I don't know if you know it or not, but this past week, Tuesday, June 21st, was the summer solstice. You guys are like, okay. Uh, it's the first day of summer. I'm a summer guy. Any summer people? A few. All right, that's good. Yeah, okay, that's just fair. All right, well, you're, you're beating me to my point because the summer solstice... Not only is it the first day of summer, it's the day where the, uh, we have the most amount of daylight out of any day of the year because the northern hemisphere is most tilted towards the sun. It's the closest it will be to the sun all year long. Some of you guys felt that this week, right? All right but here's the deal. I love this because I love daylight. I love summer. Uh, I love warm weather. I love all that. Um, some of you guys, it may not be a big deal because you may be winter people. How many winter people? Winter, fall? Okay. Listen, we need to have, we need to have a discussion. Okay. Um, so, Revelation 21, I think it's 21, says that uh, in the new heavens and the new earth, God's glory is going to be the light. light. There'll be no need for sun, moon, so God's glory is going to be there. It's going to be forever. It's going to be light. So if you're one of those people that like the winter, you like it when it gets dark at like 5.07 p.m. I'm just saying, like, you might not like heaven, all right? I'm just, I don't, that's between you and the Lord, okay? Um, I'm kidding. That's the interpretive stuff I told you not to do last week. That's what I just did, so that's on me. Um, anyways, here's, <clears throat> excuse me, here's the reason I bring all that up. is because this past Tuesday, the 21st, marked a, uh, an actual changing of seasons, at least as we record our seasons here in the United States of America. It was a transition from spring to summer, even though it's felt like summer for a while. It marked the official change from spring to summer. Right? And so uh, the reason I bring that, that up is because it, it serves as a constant reminder for us as finite, created, being sort of constrained by uh, time, at least in, in our present bodies. Uh, June 21st is that reminder that, that seasons come and seasons go and seasons come again uh, and really we have no control over them right whether you're a a summer person or a winter person or something in between like summer came this year and you didn't have any control over it right it's here and so uh, now listen in Kentucky you just hang around for like 35 40 minutes it could change okay Uh, but it serves as a reminder that seasons are always changing and as true as that is of like our environmental seasons that's uh, just as true when it comes to the seasons of life, right? All the, the ebbs and flows of life, and that gets us to uh, our text this morning in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, right? So let's read it. I'm going to read it all together, uh, the first 15 verses, and then we'll come back and talk about it, all right? So Ecclesiastes 3, it's the word of the Lord. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, 
a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever, and nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been, and that which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. So here we've got probably some of the best known words from the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, maybe you've heard the song by the birds, Turn, Turn, Turn. Anybody? A few of you? Okay. All right. I'm, I'm not saying it was the older people in the room that raised their hands, but okay. Um, all right. Even... Even if you, you like people that don't have a background in church, don't know the Bible, a lot of them know these words are the most famous words probably in the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, and so just to kind of unpack, give a little context, the first few verses, first eight verses, uh, this is Solomon giving us a poem. All right? he's, he's putting, taking all the different seasons of life and he's putting them into a, uh, a poetic form. He's got 20 diff, 28 different uh, times or seasons. And they're grouped into 14 pairs of, of polar opposites. Right? So you've got, right, there's a time to uh, be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to reap, uh, a time to kill, kill. All right? Apparently I am from eastern Kentucky. Uh, a time to kill, a time to heal, weep, laugh. Right? They're, they're polar opposites. Right? And the, the point of that is, is Solomon has given us sort of this list of spectrums on which all of, of life can be experienced. Right? So you got 14 pairs of polar opposites, and, and, and the point is that, that those things make up different areas of life, and at any given moment, we're somewhere on the spectrum. For example, there's a time to be born. It's one end of the spectrum. There's a time where we're going to die. Right now, all of us in this room are in that middle, like on the middle of that spectrum somewhere, right? right but then there's, uh, right, we could go on with all those. There's, there's a time to Laugh, there's a time to mourn, right? But, but most of life is somewhere in the middle, right? Just a lot of mundane Tuesdays, okay? So the point is just that, that all these things just Solomon gives them to us to, to show us that life is constantly changing and at any given moment we're going to find ourselves somewhere on the spectrum between these, these polar opposites, okay? And then uh, it's also important to point out that, that these are these are just Solomon's observations on life. So this is not some sort of uh, license to, 
Like, he says there's a time to kill. This is not Solomon saying, like, well, there's certain times where it's just, you got to kill, you got to kill a man. Right? That's not what he's saying. He's just, these are descriptive, not prescriptive. Right? He's looking out over all of, I mean, he's the wisest man that ever lived, apart from Jesus. Again, competitive advantage, not fair. Um, he is the wisest man that ever lived. He's looking out over all of life, and he's saying, hey, th- this is just what I observe to be true about the human experience. All these seasons exist. Okay? But one of the things that stands out to me, and, and I think is that the point of the, of the text, at least one of the points, is the sheer randomness of these seasons, at least from our limited perspective. Right? Like you, you look at his list and like it, it follows no logical sequence or order. It's just a lot of seemingly random events that, that kind of mark our lives. Seasons that change and come and go. Uh, there's, there's like we're all going to experience some of these things. We're all going to experience birth. We're all going to experience death. Uh, but, but in between those two things, there's a lot of life that happens across a lot of these different spectrums. And it happens at a speed and consistently, consistency and order that really is out of our control. Right? The, the thing that happens in our lives, the, the changing of seasons, the changing of circumstances is largely out of our control. Now, here's the deal. We may think we have control. Right? We, we like the idea of control. Any type A people in the room? Like, I have to know, I have to have a plan for everything, okay? We like to think we have control, but this, what this text is reminding us is that, um, I mean, really, we, all we have is the illusion of control. Right? We may have a few aspects of our life in order. Uh, we may have a few things that we think are, we are in control of, but, but here's what I know, and here's what you know because you've experienced. All it takes is one unexpected phone call. Right, one, uh, one spot revealed on an MRI, one executive decision by your employer, one, uh, you go down the list. Right? All it takes is one thing to take what we thought we had under control, what we thought we had sort of nailed down. All it, all it takes is one moment, one phone call, one diagnosis to flip everything upside down. Right? And, and usually those things are things that we have no control over. So, uh, let, let, let's, let's get even get out of the theoretical and into the real world, into real world 2022. All right? If the last couple of years have taught you and me anything, it should be that we have far less control than we think we do. Right? Let's, let's just be real. Those of you that may have retirement plans. How does your retirement plan look now compared to what it looked like two, three years ago? And then what say-so did you have in the matter? Right? My, my point is just that these things that we, we can plan and we can strategize and we can invest and we can control, but really all these things are out of our control. Right? That's, that's the point. We have far less control than we think we do. We are far more dependent, far more fragile than we want to believe or want to admit. All right, now, if your confidence is rooted in your ability to control everything, then you just set yourself up for despair. Right? If your confidence is rooted in your ability to hold on to things, to control them, 
You make uh, all the decisions. You call all the shots. If if that's where your confidence is rooted, then, man, you're up. You're just setting yourself up for a life of, of despair and misery because all of these things, right? The point of these first eight verses, at least, is to show us that seasons come, seasons go. Life changes. Circumstances change. And they change outside of our control. Right? We, we have n- no ability, or at least very, very little ability, to control the changing seasons of life. But before you kind of throw your hands up in total despair, um, the, the whole point of this series, right? unconventional wisdom, is that like, we're looking for wisdom in unconventional places. Right? We're trying to find wisdom in sort of the unconventional uh, ways down unconventional paths. And I think what the text is, is showing us this morning, what will show us, is that there is much wisdom to be found when we get to the end of ourselves. Right? When we get to the point where we realize, I am not as in control as I thought I was. I am not as powerful as I thought I was. I am not as sovereign as I thought I was. There's a lot of wisdom to be found when we get to uh, the end of of ourselves. And in fact, I would say that part of living wisely means accepting the reality that we are finite, limited, constrained. Like we, we, like we are bound by the, the, the seasons and, and they change and they like outside of our control. I would, I would submit to you that it's, it's only when we get to that point that we begin to really. Um, See what Ecclesiastes, what Solomon has to say about wisdom. We see how small we are. Right? And, and I would say that's actually good news. To be small and limited in your capacities is, is actually good news. To have an awareness of that is actually good news. It may not feel like good news. Right? It may not to be told like, hey, you're not as capable or powerful or is in control as you thought you were. It doesn't maybe not feel like good news, but I want to submit to you that it, it is good news because it's, it's only when we get to the end of ourselves, it's only when we realize how limited we are that we begin to look to someone who's not limited, who's, who's not uh, constrained by time and, and space, who, who's not affected by the changing seasons of life. All right, and that's where the text takes us to, <clears throat> to see God, the Creator, the sustainer of, of all things for, for who he is and to get a better idea of what he's doing. So look at me at verse 11 again. <clears throat> it says, He, talking about God, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. Would you notice the, the difference in experiences of these different seasons of life that, that are constantly changing right, outside of our control with kind of seemingly random to us? Right, that, that's how we experience them. We have no control. We don't always understand the order or the sequence or the why or the how behind them. And then we look here in verse 11 at how God experiences those seasons. Right? It says that, that he has made everything beautiful in its time. So all the things that we look at and we, like, we experience, we have no control over, we wonder what in the world is going on here, why am I experiencing this, what is the Lord doing? Right? 
we look at those things from a, a very limited vantage point. But what we see here is God is, is using those things, those changing seasons and circumstances, and he's using those as part of a bigger story. Right? He, where we have no control, God has total control. Right? He, is, he is the all-knowing, all-seeing, sovereign creator and sustainer of the universe, and he's taking all those, those circumstances and, and seasons and times in life, and he's, he's putting them together in some sort of huge redemptive story that we do not have the capacity to see. So these seasons in life where we're like, I don't know what's happening here. Like God has never had that moment. Right, God has never had a moment where he's like, you know what, let me, let me just, give me a second, let me see if I can figure out what's going on. Right, here's, I heard this before. God has never learned anything. Blow your mind. Like God's never had a revelation of like, huh, how about that? It's never happened. And so all these places that, that we don't see what God is doing, like God doesn't see them that way. Like God's never showed up to have to sort of reconstruct the scene of the accident. Right? He, he knew what happened. He knew it before the foundations of the world what was going to happen. Right? He's the sovereign creator, sustainer of the universe. Total control. Right? And that's what, this, that's what the text says. Not only does he know those things, but again, he's piecing them together into a bigger, grander story of redemption. Right? The seasons of your life, both the, the highs, the really, really good seasons, and the really, really bad seasons, God, in, in some way, is shaping those stories and those seasons and those times together for His glory and, and for the good of His people. Right now, listen, it's like, a, it's like a mosaic. You guys know what a mosaic is? It's kind of this, uh, I'll, I'll try to paint a picture with words. If it doesn't work, just Google what a mosaic is, okay? It's, it's when, like, an artist will take these sort of small fragments of uh, of tile or glass or some substance, right, some, some form. Uh, he takes these small pieces and he puts them together strategically and purposely uh, in a way to create, like when you zoom out, it creates this beautiful, stunning picture. Right? But if all you're doing is looking at it up close, like here, all it looks like is random shards of glass and tile. Like it doesn't make any sense, Right? But when you zoom out, again, you see like this, this beautiful mosaic, this full picture of what's been made out of these tiny little fragments of, of tile, glass, whatever the, the substance is. And like this is what God is doing. Like throughout all of human history, this is what God has been doing. All, right, all we see is kind of what's right in front of us because we're finite, we're limited, we are not all-knowing. We are not all seeing. So what we see is like these little bits and pieces of a mosaic. And God steps back and he sees the, the, the full picture of what he's doing. Right? Now we want to see the full picture. Right? I mean, we want to see what God's doing on this grand uh, scale throughout all of human history. Like we want to see the full picture. We would love that. But because if we're honest, aren't there seasons and circumstances and times in life where we, we walk through things and experience things and we're like, 
I cannot possibly understand what God is doing here. Anybody have those? Hands up. Come on, we're going to testify together here. Yes. Right? That's part of the human experience. We go through things and we're like, God, I don't know how you could possibly be using this. That's true of us individually or as families, the things that we walk through and go through. We're like, what in the world could, how could he possibly be using this? And that's true on a grander scale. I mean, you just look at, again, look at all of human history. There are things that happen, things recorded throughout history. You're like, what in the world could God possibly be doing here? Right, look, look at the world today. What in the world could God possibly be doing through a, a war in Ukraine? How does he, how does he use wars and, and tragedies and disasters? Like, How in the world does God take those things and, and fold those into something that beautiful picture that he's creating? And here's the best answer I've got. You ready for it? Theologically profound. I don't know. I don't have a clue. Because I'm not God. And the reason that you don't know is because you're not God. Because we are finite creatures. We are constrained in, in our ability to understand and know. All right, do, you, do you guys remember the movie Bruce Almighty? Ever seen that? I'm not saying it's theologically accurate. I'm just, there's a good illustration where, like, he's, uh, he's allowed to be God for at least some period of time. Some of the details are blurry. I didn't go back and watch it for sermon prep. But a part of that is, is he starts, like, answering people's prayers and stuff, you know, like, through, apparently, they thought God answered prayer through email or whatever. But, and, like, him trying to play God ends up, like, screwing everything up. Because he's not God. And it's, it's a goofy movie. You know, it's a funny story. Uh, it's not accurate really in any capacity at all. But it shows a point like, like we, we are limited. We don't see what God sees. We don't know what God knows. Right? We would love to see the full picture, but we don't get to see the full picture. Right? That's what it says in the second half of verse 11. Right? It says, God has put eternity into man's heart so that he cannot find out, so that we cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Right, we, we know how everything began. The creator of the universe spoke and everything came into existence. And we know how it will end. Right? The book tells us that one day, People from every tribe, tongue, and nation are going to be gathered, worshiping together for all of eternity in the new heavens and the new earth. And it's going to be daylight there. We talked about that earlier. So we know how it begins. We know how, how it ends. Like this whole big story of redemption. But all this stuff that's playing out in the middle. We know what God has revealed to us in his word. But in terms of the, the changing of seasons, the different times in life that we have no control over, that we only see in part. I mean, we, we cannot possibly understand the fullness of what God is doing because it's not for us to know. Right? It's, it's not for us to know. So, so then what do we do? Just grin and bear it? Like what, what's, Look at verse 12. Actually, verses 12 through 14. Solomon writes, I perceived... 
that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it or anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. So what do we do in these changing seasons of life that are beyond our control? What do we do in that? In short, we, we live and we trust. We live and we trust. All right, that's what Solomon says, that through the constantly changing seasons and circumstances of life, the things that, that we don't really have any sort of control over, uh, there is nothing better for us than to strive to do good, right, to eat and drink and find enjoyment in the seasons that God has given us, and to trust that God in those seasons is working an eternal plan for his glory and for good, the good of, of all of those who love him. And that his plans will not change. That's what the text says. They endure forever. They, it can't be added to or taken away from. God's plan endures forever. And so in, in these seasons, it highs, lows, everything in the middle that we can't fully understand, we can't fully see what God is doing, here's, here's our, the call in our lives, is to live and to trust. To trust that when, when I can't see the full picture, to trust that God has a bigger picture in the mind, and that for those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose, that He's working that plan together for our good, even if it doesn't feel good, or even when it does feel good. Right, that's, that's the point. Here's, it's, it's easy to say, right? It's easy to say, live and trust. But here's, here's how we do that when we, we can't see. And I read a, a quote this week. This is from a guy named David Gibson. He wrote a book um, about kind of Ecclesiastes. Here's what he says. He said, God intends us to be like children who trust their parents to know best because they see what the children can't see. And they know what the children are not yet able to know. The relationship of trust is built on the character of the parents. And if the parents are good and wise and kind, then the child who cannot see the end from the beginning has nothing to fear. That's, that's why we trust. If you're, a, if you're a child of God, you have a heavenly Father who is working all things together for His glory and for your good. And even though you can't see it in full, you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. Right? He sees the full picture. You don't have to. Right? In the same way that... that there are certain things that I allow my kids to do and certain things I allow them not to do, and they don't always understand why. Right? Why can I not stick this thing in the light socket? They don't understand. I see a little more than they do. Right? I know a little bit more about how life works than they do. And so I'm constantly having to tell them, hey, you need to trust me doesn't feel right to you right now. You can't see why this is a bad idea, but trust me, this is a bad idea. 
And in the same way with, with, with God, he sees the full, remember the mosaic, he sees the full picture. And we don't. But we can trust him. We can trust that he knows more than we do, that he sees more than we do, that he's sovereign over far more than we are. He's in control. We can trust him based on his character. That's what that, that quote just said. And listen, there is no more clear picture of, of God's, the trustworthiness of God's character than the cross of Jesus Christ. Right? If, if you have any reason to doubt the goodness, the trustworthiness of the creator God who's sovereign over all things, I would just tell you to look at the cross. Because the same God who's over all things, creator of all things, sustainer of all things, sovereign over all things, also willingly gave his only son to die on the cross for sins he did not commit so that you could have an eternal relationship with him. So that all of your sin could be forgiven. All of your shame could be swept away. Not because of anything you've done, but because it's out of the goodness of God's heart. By grace, you have been saved. It is a gift, which means you didn't work for it. You didn't earn it. God gave it to you. If you want anything that points to the trustworthiness of, of God's character, His goodness, His kindness, I just say look to, look to the cross. And e even the even the cross itself, if you just zoom in on it, Jesus was mocked. Well, back up. He was rejected. He was arrested. He was mocked. He was beaten. He was spit on. He was murdered. Zooming in on that, well, that looks pretty miserable, right? And yet when you zoom out, you see that, that that's the center point of, of God's entire plan of redemption. So in a season that looked like a lot of loss and despair and death actually became the most significant event in all of human history. It's that event that accomplished the forgiveness of your sin to grant you the promise of eternal life. That's what the cross is. It's proof that even when you can only see in part what God is doing, that you can trust him fully with all of it. So, before we close this morning, here, here's what I want to do. Um, here's what I know to be true. That all of us, if you go back to those first eight verses, right? Those, those spectrums that all of life can be experienced on. We're all somewhere on that spectrum. And we're all in different parts of the spectrum. Right? So some of you right now, you're in a really good season of life. Right? Like things are, like you're killing it. Right? Things are going well. You're enjoying life. You're loving life. Things are rolling. You're in those seasons of, uh, of laughing and dancing and peace that Solomon wrote about. And by the way, like, praise God for that. That's a good thing. That should like, evoke some, some gratitude in you. You should never feel guilty for, uh, for being in a, in a good season of life. You should never feel guilty for experiencing and receiving the Lord's goodness and kindness and faithfulness and provision. But what I want to just, just submit to you, keep on your radar, is that it would be wise for you to realize that, 
that seasons change. So maybe you're like, you're up on the mountaintop right now. I just, just, I'm just saying just keep on your radar. Right? You will not always be where you are. Right? I, I read a, the same book I just quoted just a second ago. He, he wrote this. He said, where we are now is not where we will always be. And then he had this gut punch of a line, right? He says, when we are dancing, most of us do not realize we are creating memories with people whom we will one day mourn. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I really don't want to be. I'm a pretty, like, happy-go-lucky guy. But, But I feel like one of my responsibilities as your pastor is to prepare you ahead of time for the day that the bottom falls out. The day when everything comes crumbling down. Right? And so my encouragement to you, if you're, like on the, you're on the peak, life is rolling right now, I just want to remind you, don't root your confidence in the changing seasons and circumstances of life because they are changing circumstances. And they're out of your control. Right, so don't put your confidence in the, the changing, fleeting circumstances, seasons, times of life, but, but rather find your confidence in the one who is orchestrating all of them for his glory and for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. All right, so that's some of you. Everything's going well. But then some of you guys are in a valley this morning. All right, some of you guys, life is tough. Life is hard. I know because we exchange text messages and phone calls and, and we sit together in my office like, like I know. And I only know part of it. I have no doubt that, that even a, a group as kind of small and intimate as this is, there's things going on in your life that I just don't have a clue about. And by the way, I would encourage you to invite someone into that space in your life. Right? We're in this together. That'll be a sermon for a couple weeks from now. Come back for that. Um, but here's what I want you to, to know, that, that in, even if you're down here and you're in the throes of just uh, the, the seasons that Solomon writes about that are marked by mourning and silence and weeping and loss, even if that's where you find yourself this morning, I would just encourage you, one, that where you are now is not where you will always be. But, but, but even that, my encouragement is don't root your confidence in the changing seasons and circumstances of life. All right, my encouragement to you is the same as it was to people whose lives are going awesome right now. Root your confidence in the one, in the one who is in control over all of those things, orchestrating all of the seasons and times and circumstances in life for his glory and for the good of all of those who are called according to his purposes. So that's going to be our response this morning. The band's going to come up in just a minute. We're going to sing. And, and, and the song is this. It just sings and, and speaks of the greatness of God. Because regardless of what, what season or circumstance you, you, you're in, whether good or bad or just, you know, Somewhere in the middle. 
What, what I would want us to do is to, to lift our eyes up away from our circumstances to the God who is bigger, greater, stronger, sovereign, creator, sustainer of all. The one who's orchestrating that, that mosaic, who's put, putting all the little pieces together that, that we only see right here. But we zoom out and he's creating this whole big picture. Right? That's the God we want to root our confidence in. And so we're going to sing about the God who, who is taking all of these things, who's redeeming and restoring and working all things together for His glory and for your good. Now, would you pray with me this morning? Father, we come to You and we just want to acknowledge that You are You are Lord. That means you're in control. You are sovereign. You are omniscient, all-knowing. You are omnipotent. You're all-powerful. You're omnipresent. You're, you're everywhere all the time seeing everything. You see the full picture. And we confess that we don't. And so, Father, I, I pray this morning just wherever these, these men and women find themselves, whether they are uh, kind of on the peak of the mountain, whether they are in the, the deepest part of the valley where there's many more that are somewhere in between, I pray that you would meet them this morning. I pray that you would remind them that, that you are good even when they might not be able to see it. I pray that you would encourage them this morning. Help them to trust and believe that you are working all things together for the good of those that love you. And Father, I pray that as we find ourselves in those places this morning, that, that we would all lift our eyes up away from the changing times and seasons of life to fix our eyes on you, the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-sufficient, sovereign Lord. May we root our confidence in you. We pray and we ask that you would help us with this by your spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.